0: Uh, Genesis 31. We're going to pick up in verse 22. 31, 22. If you're there, give me a big amen. Amen. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. And he's furious. On the third day, what does that mean? Well, he was on a three-day journey himself, Laban was. So he's got to stop what he's doing. He's got to ride all the way back home, which is a three-day journey because he was three days away from his house, then he's got to assemble a team together, and then he's got to take that team and then have them pursue Jacob. Uh, So it doesn't mean that he charges after him three days after. It would take some time. So it's probably about seven to 10 days after Jacob left. Uh, Look what it says, verse 23. Then he took his brethren with him, went home, got all his brethren, and pursued him, pursued Jacob for seven days' journey. Uh, Took seven days for Laban, on horseback to go find Jacob. Uh, Laban takes a few guys. How many people does Jacob have with him? Hundreds. He's got hundreds of servants. He's got giant flocks. He's got his his 12 children, 11 boys and a girl. Uh, He's got just this giant city that's traveling. And Laban, a much smaller group, right? He could go faster. And it still takes him seven days, which tells us, that uh, Jacob was making pretty good ground, right? And so Laban pursues him for seven days, and he's smoldering. I can't believe this, Jacob. He took all this stuff. He took all my grandkids. He took my daughters, and he's just smoldering, right? And he overtook him. He overtook Jacob in the mountains of Gilead. Uh, The good news here is that Jacob is now in the promised land. The mountains of Gilead are east of the Jordan River, uh, so he's not across the Jordan River yet, uh, but that means that Jacob has made about a 350-mile journey. So he's, he's covered some ground, and he's only about 100 miles northeast, Jacob is, of Jerusalem if he's in the mountains of Gilead. So that means he's getting close to home. He's still got about 150 miles to get to Beer Laharoy, where his hometown was in Gerar, where his father Isaac lived. He's got about 150 miles to go. And so here's the stage, just so you can get the picture of what's going on. Uh, Jacob and this giant city of people, all the herds and everything, have gone 350 miles. They make it to the uh, mountains of Gilead, and they now set up camp. And so uh, they're going to take a break for a few days. Hey, we've been pushing hard. We still got 150 miles to go. And they set up their tents. They set up their camp. And they're going to rest for you know uh, several days before they take off again, regathering their strength before they go on this journey, right? And it's there that Laban comes to him at the mountains of Gilead. Verse 24, but God had come to Laban, the Syrian, in a dream by night. And said to him, be careful, be careful that you do not speak to Jacob, either good or bad. Uh, What is God doing here? Why does he need to do this to Laban? Because Laban has ill intent in his heart. And this seven-day journey, uh, Laban's not happy about it. And what's happening on this seven-day journey in Laban's heart? Oh, it's boiling up and boiling up. And he's stewing on it. So much so that God has to come to him and say, Laban, don't touch that man. And I am so encouraged by this. Uh, For one thing, we see God keeping his promise. God had told in the Abrahamic covenant, God had told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I am with you. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will what? What? curse those who curse you in other words divine protection on your life divine protection on the nation israel divine protection against anti-semitism god promised the nation israel and uh, that is the covenant that god made with the nation israel but there is a spillover that applies to us uh, that there is nothing that can come to you that god hasn't allowed aren't you thankful for god's divine protection on your life I am thoroughly convinced that when you stand before the Lord upon your death, you'll take your last breath here. If you are in Christ and you'll take your first breath in the presence of the Lord and you'll be washed and cleansed and clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I am thoroughly convinced you will be totally in awe of how many times God intervened in so many relationships and so many circumstances to preserve and protect you and to bring you on the path that he had for you. And here he has done that here for Jacob. Jacob has no idea this is going on. It's all in the behind the scenes, uh, but he speaks to uh, Laban in a dream and says, hey, don't touch my man. Uh, verse 25. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains and Laban with his brethren pitched his tent in the mountains of Gilead. So there they are the showdown begins, right? Verse 26, and Laban said to Jacob, Uh, Laban is Jacob's father-in-law, it's Rachel and Leah's dad. Uh, Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with a sword? what in the heck have you done leaving in the middle of the night? What in the heck have you done taking all my grandkids, taking my daughters, taking all of this and just leaving without even saying goodbye? What have you done? Question for you. Valid point or not valid point? Valid point. Valid point, Laban. Verse 27. Why did you flee away secretly? And steal away from me and not tell me. For um, I might have sent you away with joy and with songs and with timbrel and with harp. Or, in other words, we could have had a giant party. We could have hired a DJ. We could have had a big barbecue and we could have sent you off with joy. Valid point or not valid point? I'm not sure. Laban hasn't been that kind. (laughs) Laban has been pretty selfish. Laban has been pretty deceitful. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Laban might be a little too self-righteous here. I don't know that Jacob would have had his blessing. Verse 28. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly. In so doing. And I would agree. I can't imagine a dad. Not being able to say bye. To his own daughters. To his own grandchildren. Must have broke his heart. Uh, Verse 29. It is in my power. To do you harm. Oh. The real Laban. Will you please stand up. (laughs) Right. What do we just reveal. Laban had ill intent in his heart right uh laban says it's in my power to do you harm uh in other words i could kill you right now jacob uh jesus said out of the abundance of the heart the mouth will speak and guess what just happened laban was trying to couch all his ill feelings in nice words and what just happened it was just revealed what was really in his heart it is in my power to do you harm, but God your father spoke to me last night saying Look at those words by the way, uh, the God of your father, the God who made a covenant with Abraham with Isaac and with you Jacob. He spoke to me last night saying, "Be careful that you speak not that you speak to Jacob neither good or bad." I want you to know God had a reason for telling giving Laban this dream. What was the reason? Because Laban wanted to hurt him, right? Wanted to take all, uh, uh, maybe harm Jacob and take all uh, Jacob's wealth back home with him, right? Uh, Verse 30, and now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. What do you think about that sentence? Laban says, oh, Jacob, I know that the reason you're leaving is because you long for your father's house. Is that the reason Jacob's leaving? partially is that the whole reason no No. the reason i'm leaving is because i'm not safe with you you've changed my wages 10 times you're always looking out for yourself you've gone against me again and again and again but notice what laban is doing whose side of the story is laban seeing only his side. And he's making himself look good. Uh, you're only leaving, I know, not because I'm a bad guy. I'm a great guy. You're only leaving because you long for your father's house. Uh, not really true, uh, Laban. Uh, a little delusional there. And that's the problem with us. We always see things our way. But look at the next question he has. But why did you steal my gods? Interesting. The fact that Laban has false gods reveals that Laban... Doesn't have a deep relationship with God, right? There's a problem here. And uh, it also reveals uh, what did Laban do when he heard that Jacob had left in the middle of the night? Laban comes back home. He assembles the team. And before he goes and pursues Jacob, what does Laban do? He takes inventory on his house. Has all my stuff here? He better not have stole anything. And the only thing missing were these false gods. Jacob doesn't know this, but his wife, Rachel, we're going to learn, is the one who stole these gods. And Rachel did not tell Jacob that she stole these gods. Why? Because Jacob wouldn't have let her take them. And she wanted to take them. Why did she want to take them? Because Laban her father, had hurt her. And she hurt people. Guess what they do? She wants to hurt him, right? Uh, so she takes them. And so uh, this is all going on here. This is what is going on. And here we see uh, how, how healthy is this family dynamic? This conflict that just follows Jacob wherever he goes. When he left the promised land with his father's house, what did he leave behind? A wake of conflict behind him. And now he leaves Haran, and what does he have behind him? A wake of conflict. And you know what we find? Passive aggressive behavior degenerates our integrity. Jacob doesn't look good in this situation. He just got rebuked by Laban. And the reason he got rebuked is because he went through the back door. Do you know what I mean when I say the back door? Are we all on page on what that means? He left without addressing the issues. Uh, Don't ever, don't don't be a back door Christian. Don't be one who just avoids conflict and and just says, well, I'm just not going to talk to them anymore. That's what I mean by going out the back door. Hey, why aren't you returning my text? Radio silence. And you see them in the grocery store, and oh, not going to go down aisle three, going to go down aisle four. (laughs) That's going out the back door. And here we see uh, this passive-aggressive behavior, it degenerates our integrity. The fact that Jacob left through the back door without saying goodbye reveals that he's unscrupulous. It reveals that he's devious. It reveals that he's still doing what is right in his own eyes. It reveals that God is not the authority in his life. He's still doing life his way, not God's way. And as a result, his character looks bad. And he's inflicting pain and suffering on who? His entire family. His whole sphere of influence. He's inflicting pain and suffering. Jacob leaving out the back door allows Laban to say things that he wouldn't have been able to say had he not left out the back door. Jacob enables Laban to say, why did you steal away? And why did you take my family without saying goodbye? And I would have blessed you generously, man. I would have had a DJ and songs and a barbecue. And I would have pulled out all the stops and blessed you. Would Laban have done that? We don't know. Why don't we know? Because Jacob's bad character never gave Laban the opportunity to do the right thing. And Jacob here is, is, is giving a, a black eye to this whole thing, right? Just amazing. This all could have been avoided if Jacob would have left out the front door. Uh, Jacob is God's man. When he came to Laban 20 years ago, he came with this story. Abraham is my father, my grandfather. And God's covenant is upon him. And this is the work that God is doing in his life. It's going to be an amazing work. It's going to build a whole nation. And Isaac is his son. That's my father. And that covenant was passed on to Isaac. He was a child of promise. God did this amazing thing, amazing birth. And then Isaac had me. And it was another amazing miracle birth. And uh, I have an older brother. uh, We're twins. Uh, He was born first. I was born second. But God said the blessing was on me. The covenant was on me. And he's a representation of God's man. What kind of representation of God has Jacob been? Oh, he's given God a black eye. When we walk with passive aggressive behavior, when God is not the God of our life, when he's not the authority, when we are doing what is right in our own eyes, I guarantee you this we will be a bad witness of our King, of our Savior, of Jesus. If we walk in obedience to the Lord, we can be a great witness of what it means to be a child of God. But we have to walk in the ways of the Lord. Uh, There is a time when King David fell into deep sin. And Nathan, the prophet, came to him. And he says, David, what have you done? And he confronts David in love. And Nathan says, David, you have given the heathen a reason to blaspheme. A reason not to believe in God. A reason to curse God. A reason to say, oh yeah, look, calls himself a Christian. Now the heathen are going to blaspheme no matter what because they don't want to walk under the authority of God. They don't care about God. They're going to blaspheme no matter what. But what Nathan said is, David, you've given the heathen a reason to blaspheme. And Jacob has given God a black eye by not walking under the authority of the Lord. And so will you and I when we are doing what is right in our own eyes, when we are taking the easy path, right? Uh, We will will give uh, the Lord a black eye. Uh, It's amazing that God puts up with us, is it not? God restored King David. God's grace and mercy is amazing. And God is working in Jacob's life And I am so thankful that God takes messed up people, that the patriarchs of the Bible are just sinners like you and I, selfish and greedy and doing the wrong thing. And God takes them and transforms their life over time. God has been working on Jacob's life in Haran for 20 years. And Jacob still is not fully submitting to the Lord. But God's going to get him. And I love how God is so faithful to do that work in our life. What's interesting is that Jacob, he wanted, to, uh, uh, he wanted to avoid a difficult conversation with Laban. And so he was passive aggressive to avoid this conflict with Laban. Question for you, did it work? No. What is he having right now? This. Uh, Jacob is having this hard conversation now. And as a result, Jacob's integrity looks bad. Uh, Jacob, you could have not been passive-aggressive and had this hard conversation back at home, at Laban's house, and you could have been a light, but instead, uh, you've been a bad witness. And here's what I want us to see. Passive-aggressive behavior, Uh, not dealing with our problems, always increases future hardship. Jacob's problems are worse now and our, our avoiding conflict, it might feel good for a moment, but it always increases future hardship. Uh, this is why we must do the right thing even when it's difficult. And can I tell you something? It is countercultural to our world today. Our world today wants to avoid conflict at all costs and they title it, they champion it. It's a god in society. It's called tolerance. Tolerance. Tolerance means I confront nothing. Tolerance is the god of society. And it means that we confront nothing. The philosophy of our day is tolerate everything. And I want you to know, it is the exact opposite of love. Love confronts. Love says, listen, I love you enough. Jesse, you got this thing going on right here, and I love you enough. I'm not going to allow you to do that, because that's going to harm you. You can't jump off the cliff, Jesse. No way. I'm going to keep you from doing that. That's going to harm you. And love says, "I, I care enough to confront Tolerance is just another another name for selfishness. It says, "I don't really care what you do, Jesse. Just don't bother me." And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Passive-aggressive behavior produces increased hardship, uh, and it just doesn't work. This, 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 we've got to be countercultural. I want you to know this tolerate everything is destroying people's lives. It is degrading society. It is making things worse. It is destroying people's character. People are becoming spineless. People are becoming insignificant. I don't mean that they're not valuable. I mean that there's no substance to them. There's no... There's no... Uh, they're not substantial God wants to make you into something substantial he wants to make you into a pillar Uh, not just a dead leaf that is blown by the wind this way or blown by the wind this way but a tree planted by the river that does not move man it is nourished it is substantial and it's producing fruit and it stands firm when the storm comes a house built on the rock. This is what God wants to build in us, but we are embracing this tolerance of everything, and it is destroying individual lives and it is destroying society. Have you seen it? There is a degradation of society everywhere we go. Uh, I'm I'm amazed. I'm amazed that the things that are going on, and no one is standing up and saying, "Knock it off! This is wrong." For our children, for our families, for our nation, for our own character. Uh, Where is our our fortitude for crying out loud? What a spineless generation we are becoming. And this is the result of passive-aggressive, tolerate-everything behavior. It increases future hardship. Have you seen the degradation of society? Do you see it? You see it in big things and you see it even in the minutia. If you go to the store, it is getting incredibly hard to find anybody that has just common decency character to be an employee. I find myself walking into Home Depot going, Hi, I'm so glad I'm in your store today. Thank you for having your doors open. (laughs) Instead of them saying, Hello, glad you're welcome to the store. How can we help you? Right? It's like, uh, go to a, a restaurant. It's like they're doing you a favor, yes. right? Yes. Why? Because there's, because there's a decrease, and it always produces just chaos if we don't stand for things, right? Uh, passive-aggressive behavior always increases future hardships it is just true we need to be countercultural. we need to stand for truth jesus said there are only two paths in life and jesus made it very clear he said there is the broad and easy path and there is the narrow and difficult path and there are only two paths and everybody is on one of these paths Which path are you on? Which path will you take? Which path was Jacob on? The broad and easy. I don't want to do the hard things. And I want you to know that is not God's path. God's path says love does the hard things. We're going to have communion today. And you know what communion reveals? That God is not passive aggressive. God confronts sin and He shows the high price of it and He lays down His own life to bring it to the forefront, to reveal what the problem is, and to bring solutions to the table. That's what love does. And Jesus says, there's two paths. Broad and easy is the, is the one path, and uh, that's just where you just do what's right in your own eyes and you don't confront anything and you don't do anything, just take it. You, and narrow and difficult, which path are you on? The paradox is this: The easy path, the broad and easy path produces long-term pain and hardship, as Jacob's life is clearly demonstrating to us. It doesn't work. The narrow and difficult path produces life and life abundant. And I am so in awe of how sound and sure God's ways are. And when you walk in them, they just work, man. They just work. I am so thankful that when I'm facing a conflict, I can have God's word in my heart. I can have God's word that I can open up and study, and it gives me Light and direction on which path to go on, so I can know how to deal with this difficult situation. Here's the question Which path are you on? Which path do you take? Jacob took the easy path because he is the authority in his own life. If Jesus is the authority in your life, you take the narrow and difficult path. That's his path. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. It is a narrow path, man. Uh, notice what Jesus says about this Matthew 7 13 let's read it together Jesus's words let me hear you in a unified voice enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it let's pause there broad and easy are the path that most people are on but where does it lead to destruction On the other hand, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few that find it. Narrow and difficult, what does that mean? Well, it means that when someone hurts me, I don't get to do it the way I want to do it. I have to do it the way what? The way God says to do it. It's not open for your opinion. It's God's way. It's a narrow way. And on the surface, it's often difficult to do. I'd rather just blow you off, but instead, I'm going to actually talk to you. That's hard. I'd rather ignore this problem in our life. Instead, I'm actually going to confront this problem in our life. That's difficult. And now to do it God's way instead of my way, confronting like, well, yeah, boy! no, that's your way. His way is first look at the log in your own eye before you go confront the speck in your brother's eye. And consider yourself how much you have sinned before you go and judge your servant. And consider how much God has forgiven you before you go bring, that's the narrow way. And it brings life, and it brings life abundant as God's people, let's be those who are on the narrow path. Let's don't be those who go around and just do it the world's way. What is the world's way? Well, it's broad. It's easy. It looks like this. Hey, I want to tell you something, but don't tell anybody. (laughs) Can you believe what Bill did? Oh my gosh, Bill is such a jerk. Do you know what he did? He did blah, 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 blah. I can't believe Bill. Or I can't believe Sally, right? Uh, That is the broad and easy way, and it leads to destruction. Let's don't be that way. Let's don't be that way. Talking about other people's problems behind their back. Speaking derogatorily of others, leaving their house, leaving the party and going, Well, she thinks she's amazing, doesn't she? She just did all this. You were just at their house. Why are you talking about them on the way home? And all that laughter is nervous laughter, isn't it? As you leave the family party. That is the world's way. Jesus says, that's not my way. Don't go down that path. May we pay attention. May we not speak derogatorily of others. It's off limits for a Christian. It's off limits. If you have something that needs to be said about them, who do you say it to? To them. It's off limits. That is the narrow and, and difficult way. That is God's way. Uh, I want to have a little fun with you for a second Uh, be a child of God you see cockroaches love darkness but God's people love light don't be a cockroach how many of you like cockroaches how you like stepping on them they're horrid aren't they And the moment you turn on the light, what did the cockroaches do? Hide in the darkness. That is people. That is a proverbial picture of the world. Oh, I'll talk about Bill, I'll talk about Bill. Here comes Bill. (laughs) Crawl under the, hide you little cockroach. Talking about Bill, talking about Sally. Don't be a cockroach, man. God's people love the light. What would you guess on this 14-day, 350-mile, maybe longer, 15-day, 16-day, I don't know how long, 350-mile journey, what would you guess that Jacob and Rachel and Leah are talking about on this long journey? I'm so glad we left that pig. He was so blah, 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 blah. Can you believe how he changed your wages 10 times? Can you believe blah, 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 blah? Cockroaches. And I'm not picking on them. We've all been cockroaches. And I am so thankful that Jesus can take a cockroach and turn the man to a child of God. But know this, no cockroaches enter into the kingdom of heaven. He wants to transform us. It's not okay. What do you think Laban was doing on that seven-day trip to go catch Jacob? What do you think he was saying? Oh, I can't believe Jacob. He always wrongs me. He's taken advantage of me for the last 20 years. No more. I'm not going to let him take advantage of me anymore. As a matter of fact, when I get there, oh my gosh, I think, you know what? I think, I think, I think Jacob deserves it. I'm going to put him down I'm gonna, and I'm going to take all my stuff back. And God comes along and says, you better stop right here. But what was Laban doing on that journey? He was being what? A cockroach, you knew. He's being a cockroach. Uh, let us not be cockroaches, man. Uh, uh, when, uh, well, look what Jesus said about cockroaches, by the way. Uh, do you remember Jesus' words on cockroaches? Well, I'm tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but look at this. John three nineteen. 19. Uh, look at this verse. And this is the condemnation. The light has come into the world... And men love darkness rather than the light. Why? Because the deeds were evil. And so when light comes into the world, what do they do? Scamper off and flee from the light. And the light is who? Jesus. The light is the lordship of Jesus Christ. Walk in the light. And you'll be children of the light. And the light will illuminate your path. And he will lead you on a path that is full of wisdom and discernment. And you will have life and life abundant. Uh, this is what Jesus says. Lights coming to the world. The problem is men love darkness more than they light because their deeds are evil. Or in other words, loose paraphrase, because they're cockroaches. Uh, let's go on. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen. And read this, pay attention to this. That is, that their deeds might be clearly seen that they have been done what? In God. It was right. It was really good the way you handled that. It brought life. It healed our relationship. It grew me as a man. It improved our family. This was God's work in you. Way to go. way to go. Uh, big difference. So how do we do it? How do we walk in the light? How do we not be a cockroach? How do we be God's people? What do you do when someone offends you? What do you do? Well last week, we looked at four really important instructions for when someone was being passive-aggressive. I'm not going to go over them again. If you missed it, go back and listen last week. But hold on to those. They're important. But today, I want to bring a couple more things to us. Uh, uh, what do we do when someone wrongs us? What do we do? Well, we do two things that are super important. Number one, first and foremost, what is it? Forgive. Great job, church. Great job. Uh, we forgive. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? And do not consider what? The plank in your own eye. There was a mighty powerful king who had a debtor who owed him $5 million. And he pleaded and he cried out. And the king said, your debt is forgiven. And that same guy goes and goes to his brother who owes him fifty bucks. And he beats the snot out of him for the 50 bucks. What is God saying? I've forgiven you so much. Is it a big deal for you to forgive your brother? Do you know how much you've messed up? He has shown you, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee. But to do justly and to love mercy. Love showing mercy and to walk humbly with your God. God, thank you so much. I mean, I got to deal with my brother. He's really wronged me, but I know how much I've wronged you. I am so thankful for how you've forgiven me. Lord, help me to be like you. Help me to walk like you. Number one, we forgive. Number two, what do we do? Number one, forgive. Number two, after we forgive, talk to them personally. Don't go talk to your neighbor and say, can you believe what Bill did? Don't go tell everybody else how messed up Sally is. If you have a problem with Sally, talk to who? Sally. Sally. Talk to them directly. Uh, So important. Um, People are going to wrong you. When they do, forgive them. And then if it needs to be addressed, go and talk to them. Uh, Ask God to help you see their side before you speak. Uh, then come and talk with them with a lot of grace. Uh, Live your life openly and in the light. Be transparent and watch this happen, man. Uh, Be one who says, I'm not going to be a cockroach anymore. I'm going to take slander off my list. I'm going to take speaking derogatorily of others off my list. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to forgive. And then if I need to, I'm going to talk with the person. I'm going to confront. I'm going I'm to make healthy relationships. And watch God build you in wisdom and character. And you know what will happen? Uh, right now, you have this much wisdom. And when you start walking in this, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have more wisdom. And right now, you have this, more, this much discernment. And when you start walking in, the ways, in that narrow and difficult path... Guess what's going to happen to your discernment? And right now you have this much sphere of influence. And guess what's going to happen to your sphere of influence? And this right now you have this much authority and responsibility and territory that God has given you. And and these many things that God has given you to oversee and to, to take care of and to lead. And guess what's going to happen when you walk on that narrow path? God's going to increase all that he has for you. And you're going to be a man, a woman of wisdom, of character, of substance, of uh, discernment. Uh, you're going to be one that people come to you and say, hey, can you help me with this? Uh, I've watched how you do this. Will you get, will you, I, need, I need some advice. Uh, God's going to just increase your territory. And I love how he does it. Now, Jacob wanted to avoid conflict. And so he took the easy path. And guess what Jacob has facing right now here at the mountains of Gilead? He's facing all the conflict that he wanted to avoid uh, by being passive aggressive. And now he has to talk to Laban. Look at verse 31. Jacob, uh, excuse me, Laban said to him, hey, why did you leave in the middle of the night? Why did you steal my gods? Jacob's going to answer these questions. Uh, Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid. For I said, perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force, that you would hurt me and take my daughters and all my well, my, my wives and all my wealth and everything. In other words, Jacob is saying what? I'm not safe with you. I'm not safe with you. That's why I left in the middle of the night. I'm not safe with you. And here's what we see. Jacob is still having to do the very thing that he was what? Avoiding with passive aggressive behavior. He didn't want to do this because it's hard to do. He was trying to avoid it. Let me just ask you, did it work? Doesn't work. So don't fall for that temptation. Uh, You're going to have to deal with it anyway. Um, Being passive aggressive accomplished nothing. It only made matters worse. Uh, I was afraid, for I said, perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. Verse 32, with whomever you find your gods, do not let them live. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what Jacob doesn't know right now? Rachel Rachel stole his gods. Jacob, you're a little too self-righteous here. You're thinking a little too highly of yourself right here. And you just brought judgment on your own family. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. Uh, what do you think happened on Rachel's face when he said, whoever took them, let them die? What do you think Rachel did? <sighs> oh, man. And if this was a movie, can you imagine the tension building? And Jacob, uh, Rachel's there just like, oh, my gosh, I'm in huge trouble and she's just just afraid. Uh, I, this brings out a really interesting point, I think, that we need to hold on to. Um, Jacob is now confronting Laban, right? It's the very thing he didn't want to do. And here's a good thing for us to see. In confronting others, we are often too self-righteous to see the truth. Jacob is there thinking, he's so righteous, like... I don't have anything of your... Is that true? No, actually, you are very guilty right now, right? And in confronting others, we are often too self-righteous to see the truth. And when that is the case, we will say stupid things that bring more harm upon us, as Jacob just did right here, right? Uh, Verse 33, and Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and it's kind of like a movie. How many of you have seen those movies where the FBI comes in they start turning over all the drawers and going through all the stuff and, and, uh, and then they go into the two maids' tents but he did not find them, didn't find the, the false gods, the idols. Uh, then he went out of Leah's tent and he entered into Rachel's tent. And if this was a movie, man, you could feel the tension building, right? Like we all know them. That Rachel's got it. And he goes into Leah's tent. We go, he's in Leah's tent. And then he goes into this next tent. And we're like, and then he walks into Rachel's tent. We're like, what's going to happen? Right? Is Rachel going to die? Tension builds. Be a great movie. Verse 34 Now Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. Uh, When your gods can be sat on? just saying when your gods can be stolen just saying Rachel's going to use the excuse you can't check my saddlebags because I'm on my period and the bible is kind of making a mocking joke of what her idols are worth wow When your God can be stolen, you have a bad God. When your God can be sat on, when your God is a minstrel cloth, you have a bad God, right? Uh, Do you have any gods that can be stolen? When the stock market crashes, is your God stolen? If your beauty begins to fade as you age, is your God stolen? Be careful what you make your God. We don't make little idols, but we make little gods, I guarantee you. Be careful that your God does not get stolen. Uh, Here we see uh, uh, she takes this thing and this God and she puts it in her saddle. And Look what she says, verse 35. Uh, He searched all around uh, Rachel's tent, but he doesn't find them. Verse 35. And she said to her father, let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is with me. Uh, here we see that Rachel is just as slimy as who? As Jacob. As a matter of fact, she looks exactly like Jacob. It's been said that married couples start to look like each other, and it's really true. Men, let me have your attention the wife you have is the wife you built. They are one in the same. And if you don't like her, look in the mirror. You built her. This is God's way. This is God's way. Uh, she's as slimy as Jacob. Uh, I, can't, I can't rise for I'm on my period. And he searched, but he did not find the household idols. Verse 36, then Jacob was angry and he rebuked Laban. Uh, Jacob starts getting really torqued here. Do you remember I told you that passive-aggressive behavior always leads to uh, an atomic explosion? And I use the word very literal. An atomic explosion is all the small particles becoming into a massive blow-up where every single atom has is brought into an explosion and watch Jacob's atomic explosion it is dangerous and destructive it damages uh, Jacob was angry and he rebuked Laban and Jacob answered and said to Laban you can hear the self-righteousness in his voice what is my trespass what is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me and I just have one question Really, Jacob? Really? What is your trespass? Do you want a laundry list? Do you want a 20 mile page of of wrongs, right? Uh, Do you think you're that right? Verse 37 Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Little does he know that they're in his camp, right? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren. That they may judge between us both. Jacob, you are too self-righteous. You are too self-righteous. And self-righteousness will always produce ungodly anger. The Bible doesn't say don't be angry. Anger is a God-given emotion. It is needed it will cause you to do things that you normally wouldn't do. It'll cause you to address things that you normally wouldn't address. The Bible says, doesn't say don't be angry. It says be angry and what? And don't sin and have righteous anger. Righteous anger is an anger that wants to bring the, uh, peace, and resolution, and bring sin to the surface so it can be dealt with, so that there can be health, and it cares for the other person, and it wants to build the other person. Ungodly anger wants to do what? Elevate self and make self look good. And Jacob here is just full of unrighteous anger. Uh, These 20 years, verse 38, I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young because I'm such an amazing shepherd, in other words. And I have not eaten the rams of your flock. I haven't taken any animals from you, verse 39. And that which was torn by a beast, I didn't bring it to you. When when a wolf came and got one of the sheep's, I didn't say, sorry, Laban, you lost a sheep. No, I replaced it with one of my sheeps. I didn't bring it to you, right? Uh, uh, Verse 39. Uh, No, where was I? Uh, Yeah, 39. That which was torn by the beast, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether it was stolen by day or stolen by night. Uh, Jacob's atom bomb is just going off, man. There I was in the day, The drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and the sleep departed from my eyes, and I walked to school as a child 20 miles uphill in both directions in the snow. Thus I have been in your house these 20 years. I've just been so selfless in serving you. I served 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks and you have changed my wages 10 times. Unless God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands, and rebuked you last night. All I can say is, Jacob, you are a little too self-righteous. And Jacob, I wish you could read the next couple chapters, because you're going to find out you are not that righteous. You're going to have a wrestling match with God that I cannot wait to study with you. Uh, It's an amazing story. And God is going to show Jacob, Jacob, you're not that righteous, man. You're not that righteous. But look how uh, full of self and self-righteousness Jacob is here. Um, Whose side of the story is Jacob giving? Whose side of the story is Laban giving? Hmm. How well is this going? Not well at all. And here we learn something. We can really learn an important tip here. The most important part of conflict resolution is demonstrating that you understand the other person's paradigm. Super important. Uh, the Bible would say this, Proverbs eighteen thirteen. It says, He who answers a matter... Before he hears it, it is a shame and a folly to him. What's that? Understand the other side of the story. And and before you speak. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a shame and a folly to him far better to really grasp and understand everything that the other person is trying to tell you before you speak, in other words. Jacob neglected this important step. Whose side of the story did Jacob explain? Jacob's. Whose side of the story did Laban explain? Laban's. No wonder Jacob and Laban have conflict all around them all the time. Here is a great tip for conflict resolution. Never explain your paradigm until you have first explained the other person's paradigm. Did you catch that? You might even want to write yourself a note. Never explain your paradigm until you have first done what? Explain the other person's paradigm. Do you see, do you understand what hinders hearing in a conflict resolution? In a conflict? Do you understand what what hinders hearing? What keeps me from hearing you? Well, I want you to know my side. And the moment that you say anything, I interrupt you because I want you to know what? My side. And you know what is far better? Just stop and listen. And learn everything about their side. And then explain to them their side. And then their ears will be open to hear your side. How different things would have been if Jacob would have done this. You see, if we do this, the health of our relationships will increase radically. People will go far with you if they feel like they are heard, if they feel like they are understood, and if they feel like they are cared for. Can I give you another proverb? this one you'll have to think about it's deep I'll repeat the first one first Proverbs 18 13 he who answers a matter before he hears it it's a shame and a folly to him or in other words he's a fool he's not walking in wisdom now here's another one uh, that one's telling us what's on your screens basically speak the other person's paradigm before you before you do anything else right Uh, Here's another one. Even a thief is not despised if he steals because he's starving. Do you understand? Even a thief is not despised if he steals because he's starving. Well, let's explain. If I hear a thief break into my house at 3 in the morning... Guess what I grab? A, a weapon. A baseball bat. You all went for shotgun. All... A baseball bat. Uh, whatever. And I come downstairs. This is proverbial, okay? I come downstairs, and I'm ready to kill this thief. Why? Because I have a family to protect. I want to protect my wife. I want to protect my kids. And so I'm ready to kill this thief. And as I come down, oh, he's in the kitchen. I'm cocked. I'm loaded. I walk in. He's in the pantry. I open the pantry. Oh, please, please, please. I have a starving baby at home. (laughs) What? I have a starving baby at home. I look. I see the evidence. He's got food in a bag. Oh, my gosh. What happens to my baseball bat? It goes down. And what happens to that thief? What does he leave with? He leaves with a bag of groceries. How did that happen? You mean the thief that I wanted to kill just seconds ago is now a thief that I'm blessing and giving my treasure to? Yes. Why? Because even a thief is not despised if he steals because he's starving. And if you listen to the other person and you hear their paradigm and then you tell them your paradigm, then they cannot despise you because they can see why you did what you did. Do you understand? Do you see the wisdom in that? Uh, Demonstrating that you understand the other person's paradigm will open up their ears to hear your paradigm. Until you speak their paradigm to them, they will continue trying to do what? Tell you their side, and you won't get anywhere. That's Jacob and Laban, and look look how bad it works. What if Jacob would have said, I'm so sorry I hurt you, Laban? I understand that you feel like I stole all your wealth from you. I totally get why you feel that way. I understand why you feel like I wronged you as an employee and cheated you out of all of your flocks. I totally understand why you feel that way. I understand that it was really wrong of me to take your daughters and leave at night. And to take your 12 grandchildren and not let you kiss them goodbye. I totally understand how wrong it was that I did all of these things. And is there anything else you want me to know about how you're feeling right now? Because I'm so sorry I did those horrible things to you. And Laban's gonna go, no, that's exactly how I feel. Okay, well now can I tell you why I stole from you? You see, I was afraid if I came to you that I wouldn't be safe and that you would actually take things from me and take my wife from me. And, we, and the reason I thought that is because, well, you've changed my wages 10 times. And, because, and now even a thief is not despised if he steals because he was starving. And Laban can say, well, man, I understand. I have, you know, and, and that brings reconciliation, right? And this is what it means to walk in the narrow path. When trying to resolve conflict, if the other person believes that you understand how they feel, your chances of them listening to you increase exponentially, and reconciliation is highly probable. Again, our relationship health will increase radically if we do this. People will go twice as far with you if they feel like you understand what they're going through. And God will increase your wisdom, your discernment, your territory, your sphere of influence. Uh, uh, This is just God's ways. Uh, One of the reasons that Jacob has a wake of broken relationships in his life is because he only sees things, what? His way. How did he see things with his brother Esau? His way. How did he see things with his dad? Gave no thought to what he was doing to his father. Just saw it his way. How does he do it with Laban? Only sees his way. And this is why he's got a wake of broken relationships behind his boat. Uh, And he will continue until he changes. Um, I want you to notice something very interesting. The same flaw that is hindering Jacob In his relationships with others of only seeing his side is the same exact flaw that is hindering him in his relationship with who? With God. How interesting. And God is going to come to him in these coming chapters and say, dude, have you you not seen my heart for you? Think about what God did at Bethel. Jacob, I have a plan for your life. I chose you over your brother. I made this covenant with you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you 12 sons. It's going to be the 12 tribes of Israel. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. I'm going to bring the Messiah through you. Oh, Jacob, I can't even believe all that I want to do in your life, man. You can't even believe. I mean, if you only knew all that I want to do in your life, oh, Jacob, it's amazing. And instead of seeing the heart of God and understanding God's great love for Jacob, Jacob finishes that revelation with this. Well, if God does all those things for me, after he does all those things for me, if he proves it, then I'll, be, then I'll worship him as God. Sorry. <laughs> Forgot I was wearing a microphone. Uh, almost knocked it off my face for crying out loud. Uh, who was he totally oblivious to? To God. Just like he was totally oblivious to Leah when she cried out, uh, excuse me, uh, when, uh, when Leah was unloved and he was just sleeping with her. Uh, right, just like, he just misses other people's perspective. Uh, which tells us something very interesting that we learn. The way we treat others reflects how we treat God. You want to know how you treat God? You want to know what it's going to be like when you stand before him? And you'll see your life on, just look at how you treat others. Because that's how you treat God. God poured out his heart to Jacob. Look how Jacob responded. Uh, look, how God, uh, look how Jacob's treating Laban. Uh, he's treating God the same way. And uh, the Bible tells us the exact same thing, by the way. John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4. Take a look at this verse. Uh, let me hear you read in the thundering voice. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God? Whom he has not seen. Your relationship skills with people. Will be your relationship skills with your God. And God will not participate in dysfunctional relationships. You want to grow in your intimacy with God? Watch your character. Walk in his ways. And let him build you. Um, how are we doing on time? Oh my gosh. I am so bad at time management. Uh. I got to think here for a second because I'm getting confused. What time does our next service start? Uh, oh man, we got to hurry. Uh, I already took last service with this passage, with, went through this passage with them, so I got to do it with you too, or else we'll be off. I, they won't be on the same spot. Let's go fast. Are you ready? It's all my fault. I know that full well. Uh, verse 43, then Laban answered and said to Jacob, these daughters are my daughters. These children are my children. This flock is my flock and all that you see is mine. What side is Laban seeing? Yes. Crazy, right? Dysfunctional. But what can I do this day to these, my daughters or to their children whom they have born? I can't harm them. I mean, they're my, they're my offspring. Verse 44, now therefore come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set, up, set it up as what? A pillar, not as what? Not an altar, I wish it said an altar. It's not an altar, it's a pillar, big difference. Not doing it God's way, doing it my way. It's a pillar, it's a monument. Verse 46, and Jacob said to his brethren, Gather stones. Got all his servants gathering these big boulders. And they took these stones and they made a heap. Giant pillar of stones. And, and they ate there on the heap. It was a symbolic meal. We're about to partake of communion. A symbolic meal. This is a very different symbolic meal. Pay attention. Verse 47. And Laban called it Jigar Sehadutha which is Aramaic. And all I can say is Aramaic is hard to speak, right? Uh, but Jacob called it Galeed. Uh much easier. I think I like Hebrew better than, than Aramaic. Uh, both those terms mean this, a heap of witnesses. And I want you to get the tenor of what's happening here. Then Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, its name was called Gilead also, Mizpah, same, same meaning. Mizpah means, because he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from another. Mizpah means watch. Uh, I know there are some cu- couples who get Mizpah on their matching necklaces, husband, wife, you know, like, like, like some endearing thing. It's not an endearing thing. I hate to burst your bubble. Uh, here's what it means. Oh, I'll be watching you. And if you mess up... I'm going to punish you. That's what this agreement is. People ripping that necklace off their neck right now. (laughs) For 49, one more time. He called it Mizpah because he said, May the Lord watch between me and, and when we are absent from one another. If you afflict my daughters or if you take other wives besides my daughters, or if you mess up in any way, man, I know this, man, God is watching you. Verse 51, and Laban said to Jacob, here is a heap, here is this pillar which I have placed between you and me. This is a heap of witness. This is a pillar, this pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you and you will not pass beyond this heap of this pillar to me for harm. Do you see what they set up? I won't come to you, and you don't come to me, and we just agree we don't go past here. And I'm going to be watching you, and if you come to me, I'm going to harm you. I'm going to punish you. And if I I come to you and I cross this line, this is the red line in the sand, man. And, oh, how sad, how sad. Verse 53, uh, the God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us, uh, uh... Laban says, uh, and Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, the true and living God. Uh, Verse 54, then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain, and he called his brethren to eat bread, and they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose, kissed his sons and daughters, and blessed them. Then Laban departed to return to his own place to live forever separated from each other to live forever separated from Jacob, from Rachel, from Leah, from his 12 grandchildren, forever separated from them. And you tell me who won? Who won? No one. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.